You're still tuned into Radio Now 95.3 FM Lagos, where we take you beyond the news. A very good and pleasant morning to you, and welcome to a brand new week. Today is the 8th of February 2021, and this is the week ahead. I am your host, Oprah Coco. The Week Ahead is brought to you in collaboration with SBM Intelligence, Nigeria's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Every Monday morning on The Week Ahead, we analyze the big stories in the country and beyond. We help you understand them fully, speak to those affected directly, explain what impact these stories have on your life, and help you understand the geopolitical implications. Thursday, February 4th, 2021, President Muhammadu Buhari extended by three months the four-year tenure of the Inspector General of Police, Mohamed Adamu. His term of office expired on Monday, February 1st, 2021. The President also nominated the four fired service chiefs, Abayomi Ulunishaki, Tukar Buratai, Ibok Ikwe Ibas, Sadiq Abubakar as non-career ambassadors. Last week also saw the country continue with an unstructured national identification exercise and has been slapped with yet another foreign ban on its being export by the European Union. Increased criticism on the country's strategies in obtaining COVID vaccines and its failure to prefer solutions to the raging ethnicity conflict between communities. There now calls for Nigeria to solve its problems in a structured and sustainable manner. All this and many more on The Week Ahead. You're listening to The Week Ahead on Radio Now 95.3 FM. Brought to you in collaboration with SBM Intelligence, Nigeria's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Every Monday morning, where we help you make sense of the big stories across geopolitical zones in Nigeria. To help us put all this in context and also for a deep dive into our main story, which is President Buhari's extension of the IGP's tenure and, of course, the appointment of his former military service chiefs as non-career ambassadors. I am joined by Joachim Makebong, an analyst with SBM Intelligence. Hello, Mr. Joachim. Hi, Oprah. Good morning. Good morning, Lagos. Good morning. Welcome to the week ahead. Thank you. In a short while, Mr. Joachim will help us make sense of this week's big stories. But first, a quick summary of other top stories. We begin with some COVID-19 related stories. The World Health Organization in Abuja on Saturday said it had not disqualified any African country from accessing COVID-19 vaccines through the COVAC facility. The organization said while it was supporting all countries to access vaccines as quickly as possible, Nigeria has received the largest allocation with 16 million doses out of the 88 million AstraZeneca doses allotted to Africa for the first phase. The WHO country representative in Nigeria, Dr. Walter Kazadi Mulumbo, clarified this during a joint press conference with the executive director of the National Primary Healthcare Development Agency, 
Dr. Faisal Shaib on the purported disqualification of Nigeria from access to the COVID-19 vaccines. The European Union has now extended Nigeria's bean export ban till June of 2022 over the country's failure to implement its Food Safety Action Plan submitted to the Commission in 2018. The EU Safety Authority had in 2015 banned Nigerian beans export because it contained between 0.03 milligrams per kilogram and 4.6 milligram per kilogram of diclovus pesticide when the EU's acceptable maximum residue limit was 0.01 milligram per kilogram. The Commission later extended the suspension of the imports of dried beans from Nigeria until June 2019, owing to the continuous presence of diclovus and the impossibility to achieve short-term compliance with the Union food law requirements regarding pesticide residues. The EU said the duration of the suspension of the import should therefore be extended for an, should therefore be extended for an additional period of three years to allow Nigeria to implement the appropriate risk management measures and provide the required guarantees, thus applying until 30th June 2022. These are some of the top stories that made the rounds in the last week. After the break, we focus on President Muhammadu Buhari's decision on security matters, the CBN's ban on cryptocurrency transactions and the ban on protest by opposition members by the government of Chad. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to The Week Ahead. I am Oprah Koko and with me is Joachim Makebong, an analyst with SBM Intelligence. President Muhammadu Buhari has extended the tenure of Muhammad Abdamu as the Inspector General of Police by three months. Mr. Adamu was due to retire from the police force last Monday, having spent a maximum of 35 years in active service. The extension to his tenure was announced on Thursday by the Minister of Police Affairs, Mohamed Dinyadi, at the presidential villa Abuja while speaking to journalists. Mr. Dinyadi said the extension was necessary to give room for the proper selection of a successor. Also, presidential aide Bashir Ahmed in a tweet on Thursday, February 4th, disclosed that President Muhammadu Buhari had forwarded the names of the immediate past service chiefs to the Senate as non-career ambassadors designate. The ambassador designates a retired defense chief, Abayomi Olunishakin. Former Army Chief Tukur Buratai, former Navy Chief Ibok Ete Ekwe Ibas, and former Air Chief Sadiq Abubakar. Their nomination is, however, subject to confirmation by the National Assembly. The former Service Chief's nomination came nine days after their replacement by the President, having led the country's security agencies for over five years. Mr. Joachim, we've heard the news. What do you make of these decisions by the president? Thank you, Oprah. Um, first of all, I, I need to start with the with the legality of the whole thing. Uh, it is entirely, in fact, from my reading of the Police Act, which the president signed into law on September 16 or so, it what he has done by extending the tenure of the 
of the IGP is, is illegal. Uh, part of that document reads that the tenure of the, the Inspector General of Police is a single term of subject to the statutory requ- subject to the statutory retirement requirements in the public service. And what are those? That is, uh, 60 years of age or 35 years in service, whichever comes first. Uh, Adamu will be, will be 60 in uh, September in September this year, but he attained six, uh, 35 years in service on February 1st. That is uh, a, a week ago, right? That's already blatantly illegal. My own interest is the reason uh, for which the extension was apparently given. They said they wanted to have enough time to get to get a new successor, which is very interesting. Why is it interesting? Now, the that same police act in, in September, that was signed in September, again, understand that President Buhari signed it, right? Yes. And September to now is how long again? Five months. Right? I don't know that they require more than that amount of time to get this, this said successor from among the current DIGs and AIGs. The the process for their for, for, for appointing the AIG. We'll get to the process in a minute. Um I speak to Mike Kebonko and I really want you to react to his thoughts as yeah, well. Sure, no so problem. let's take a listen. I do not think the appointment of the service chiefs, the immediate past service chiefs to non career diplomats uh, is done in good conscience. It may be it may be protected by law because the president cited the position, uh, provision of the constitution. Even at that, it's not legitimate to do the appointment because those people do not have any special skill. There is nothing that they are going to bring into uh, maybe in a diplomacy at home or abroad that other people who are eminently qualified can do. So I do not think that it is morally correct. It shows that you know we have a government of cronyism, which is very wrong for people to be serving their personal interests. And it's the problem we have with our polity. And that's because we don't have regulatory agencies and strong institutions. We should be able to oppose things like this. It is it's our duty as citizens, it's our responsibility. It is for the uh, members of the National Assembly, of course, who in the past have even asked for the removal of the service chiefs, not to confirm this kind of appointment because it's not done in good faith. And if, as people speculate, it is intended to grant them immunity, even though I do not share that sentiment, they have they owe it to the country not to uh, uh, endorse the president's nomination. It's as simple as that. We do not require international agencies, Amnesty International, or other sovereign nations to come and do our things for us. It is for us as citizens to call that our people must act in accordance with the rule of law when they're dealing with issues in our country and that affects citizens even if it borders on security. It is as simple as that. So, and uh, as a sovereign nation, I find it shameful that if anything happens in our country, we want ICC, we want Amnesty International, we want America. That's wrong. It's wrong. Uh, we're not under any colonial dominion any longer. So why, why should we be 
the ones asking that people should come and do what God has given us the enablement to do. That's wrong. But in any case, um, um, uh, appointing them not career diplomat does not confer any right on them you know, or protection from criminal acts where they have found to have done wrong in the course of the execution of the combat. Now, going to the issue of the appointment of the uh, or extension of the tenure of the uh, Inspector General of Police, I, I think I think the president is absolutely not uh, covered by the law and the civil service rules and and and, and the constitution itself is very very wrong. I think it is section three one five that confers the uh, right to appoint inspector general of police on the president so by, by the president so so what what he should do and he provided that it must be from a serving personnel now the service uh, public service rule provides because um, the police operates or uh, the service uh, civil service code you serve 35 years or at age 60, if you're not up to 35 years, whichever comes first will be observed and you go. And that same is supported by the police act. Therefore, when the man uh, has exceeded his 35 years, he ceases to be a member of the Nigerian police force. Therefore, any appointment uh, by the president or extension is in law a nullity and it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable because you have an array of police officers, very brilliant ones, that can do the job. Are you saying that the institution has so collapsed that nobody else can hold the office? Is that what we are saying? Again, people should not get to a position of authority and arrogate to themselves that they have answer to everything and so they cannot go. If they go, the institution will collapse. If they go, the country will collapse. We have seen that before and that is the mistake we keep making. So we should rise up. We don't need anybody to it is our duty the ngos the that's a, a civil society organization should just rise up fight for nigerians and not go engaging in mercantile uh, business to make money and be protecting people who should be sacked by you know by the will of the people Th these are not correct things so i feel that the president is wrong because the man has a uh, has put on um put up his uh, maximum number of years required he's no longer a member of the police force. so appointing him or extending it is illegal and anything he does in that office will be null and void and of no effect and that's what it means but nigerians should not keep quiet uh, because i know that if they speak up they're scared people will come after them uh agencies of the government security and you know so but those are the things we must resist it people have to pay for it anyway you know freedom is not cheap by any means so but we should be being to resist this uh, act of illegality by government people whether you are elected or appointed it's our duty that was mike kebonko a military lawyer at the nigerian army in an exclusive interview where he shared his thoughts on the president's decisions in the last week. Mr. Joachim, do you agree with what um, Mr. Kobonko has said? I mean, he, he said a lot, especially in terms of 
that these decisions by the president were not done in good faith and it has a large element of cronyism in it. So do you agree with that? I, I completely agree with him. And really, maybe there, there are one or two things that I want to promote to talk about for just a couple of minutes. The first thing he said about, about the service chiefs and making them ambassadors immediately after. In other places, uh, there is some kind of uh, restriction against making military service chiefs, former military service chiefs, giving them positions in an administration's national security establishment. So, for example, maybe you, you live from the Joint Chief of Staff now, for example, if you are in the U.S. So you need to be granted special dispensation as U.S. president to appoint any former member of the Joint, of, of the joint Chiefs of Staff that recently retired to a defense secretary or national security advisor, right? The reason is because they want that civilian oversight of the military. They don't want former military people that just leave military service and are now I- in charge of a military establishment because they want there, they want there to be that civilian oversight of the military. They mm. don't, they don't want former military men in charge of the Department of Defense in the U.S. And you can see why that is. You don't want someone who is serving a president now to agree to everything he says, for example, because he wants to be in the frame to be perhaps appointed uh, a defense secretary Mm. or like NSA or something. And you don't want such incentives to be put into into the calculation of someone that's supposed to be a public servant, okay? And that's exactly what Buhari is doing here. Buhari, so by this president that is setting now, what he's saying is that tomorrow some other president can come and because he has the you know he has his service chiefs you know buying down to him or whatever doing whatever he says he is now setting up that thing as a reward as i can retire them today or they can retire today and they can be immediately reabsorbed to my administration in other areas tomorrow is is this is there no precedence and what i mean by this is in essence, is this not what we see every day, how there is a recycling of those who have been in past office, whatever the office is, and how um, at the point of retirement or they they are just shoveled and put in new positions? So there is this thing that we do in Nigeria where, where we behave as if it is that one man or that one uh, person somewhere without whom the the so-called institution is going to collapse. Mm. I'm sorry, but there's nothing like that, okay? The point of institutions is to ensure that that their performance is not beholden on one person or any group of people. So that after they leave, whatever it is they have put in place continues. So how can you have a situation whereby the capability of your police force is so dependent on the IGP to the point that if he goes, the police force will become less efficient. Why? Why don't we ever ask ourselves this question? Bef- jo- a, a few minutes ago, I read, I read, uh, I read an article by someone in 2019 where he where he brought up the the fact that uh, Sunday Hindero and Mike Okiro both had their both tenures. had their tenures as IGP extended by uh, Yaradua and Obasanjo. Well, where has that gotten us precisely? How did that help the Nigerian police force? So after all that now, is the Nigerian police force better 10 years later, 15 years later, 
after those guys had left? Because they leave eventually. Or they at what point do we decide that the Nigerian police force is going to be a police force that is effective and efficient and not beholden to any one person? That again, you see you you see you 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 have this thread throughout Nigeria. Okay. That was how Obasanjo himself almost secured them for himself. Apparently because Nigeria could not move forward unless Obasanjo had a third term. Mm. <laughs> it was something under Abacha. Those who thought those who thought that Abacha was the be all and end all were saying that Abacha should continue forever. That without that I mean that without Abacha, uh, Nigeria would somehow not do very well again. All these things are excuses. And we must not brook these excuses under any guise. There are processes by which institutions have leadership that stands the test of time. These are established processes. People have done them before elsewhere. Nigeria is not the first country to have a good IGP who is living. And it will not be the last. How you ensure that the, that the place continues to be efficient is by having a leadership system that ensures that it is the best people that come after the said IGP. Mr. Kim, under normal circumstances, how does this process work? How does the transfer of power in the police system work? The Police Act says that the president can appoint someone to replace the IGP that is not below the rank of AIG, right? So the DIGs and all the AIGs are automatically in the frame to be the new IG of police. Mm. So that's about 18, 20 people or so. So the process is this. Apparently, there's even an open and formal application process to the Nigerian Police Council for the post of IGP. So if you are a DIG right now, or you're an AIG right now, you by the law, the law says you can apply that I want to replace Mohamed Amus. So that open and formal process, after, the, after it is submitted to the, Niger, to the Nigerian Police Council, that council would now nominate three applicants that stood out and everything. And then from there, the president would then appoint the, the new IGP subject to Senate confirmation. Mm. Now, that Nigerian police council consists of the president, the 36 governors, the chairman of the police service commission, as well as the IGP. So that's the process. So it sounds simple enough. Now, why was this process not done before the tenure of this man Indeed. expired. Mm-hmm. I think I, th- I think that it will be difficult for the current DIGs and the AIGs to submit their applications for the post of IGP and for not one of them to make the required grade. I, I think it will be difficult. And I also have, I mean, a number of questions. Did the did Buhari not know that Mohamed Adam was supposed to retire on the 1st of February? And if he needed three months, why could he not have begun this process on November 1st? For example, 2020 or December 1st, 2020, when he would have had enough time to evaluate the various applications. Why does he need three months now? Or is he saying that he was not aware? And if he wasn't aware that, that Adamu was going to retire, or rather, uh, attain his 35 years on February 1st, then what precisely is the executive branch about? All these things are questions. You know, I'm following just the, the law in Section 13, Sub 8 of the Police Act 2020, which you've stated and even was stated earlier how that, I mean, the mandatory period of active service should be 35 years. Clear terms, is the president's action in violation of that law? And are there any serious consequences? It is clearly in violation. Now, 
again uh the, the what uh what the what the lawyer said was that nigerians should not you know always talk about you know run to the british or uh, amnesty international and so on or icc and so on in order to to get to get uh to right wrongs that happen in nigeria mm. you know due to sovereignty and so on and so forth look uh, the people who would have checked this matter are the people who are empowered to check it which which is the national assembly right but whereby in 2015 to 2019 there was a healthy tension between the, the national assembly leadership, leadership that is saraki and dogara mm. on one hand and the president on the other hand what we have now with uh with lawan and gbajabiamila uh, is is essentially a rubber stamp kind of situation okay and that was the explicit intent for getting them those positions in the first place hmm. okay really serious so <laughs> look this this is well known there is no need for us to for us to you know play ignorant okay. here the explicit reason even in 2015 the explicit reason for for lawa and Angba, Biamila uh to 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 get those positions but that they will be they will be in lockstep with the presidency and it, it is the national assembly that's supposed to have checked these kinds of excesses and to insist to insist that the president does his constitutional duty and follows the process of appointing the new inspector general of police you know according to the police act in the time frame necessary to ensure that there is there is no situation like there's no mistake the nigerian government has made or the nigerian security service have made that will be fixed in the next three months that uh, Mohamed Adamu is going to remain on that seat. It's not, it is not going the, in the next three months, the issues in the Northwest with banditry and kidnapping are not going to be, are not going to be de-escalated in the next three months. The Central Bank of Nigeria has directed banks in the country to close all cryptocurrency-related accounts. The bank said this in a statement on Friday. The regulator prohibited all financial institutions from facilitating cryptocurrency payments in the country. Mr. Joachim, what does this new policy mean for cryptocurrency traders and investors? You know, Nigeria is a very interesting place. <laughs> we live, <laughs> if you are in Nigeria, you are constantly living in interesting times. Over the last maybe six months to one year now, there is a growing global consensus about the direction and adoption of, of blockchain and cryptocurrency, right? Uh, you have major payment providers like PayPal and Visa. You have them incorporating cryptocurrency into their payments infrastructure. Other institutions using cryptocurrencies and the blockchain in, in parts of the business as well. You also have growing interest from various institutional investors across the West regarding investing in cryptocurrencies. Again, this this is a separate show on its own. But and and you may also know that Nigeria accounts for this the top two or three volume of cryptocurrency transactions. What we have is that at the precise moment there is a growing global consensus about the direction of cryptocurrency. You have Nigeria going in the opposite direction, <laughs> which is how we got here in the first place. Everybody is moving in in one direction. Nigeria decides to to turn around up and go backward we have done this in several other issues across the decades that's how nigeria is where it is till today hmm. right and we've done it again here now there are various angles from which you can look at this number one you can look at this from the issue of the nsas protests okay so 
when they began to restrict accounts, you know, in the various banks, when those accounts were blocked, the protests continued to be funded. So, the, so funded meaning uh, things like, you know, food, medical assistance and so on were funded by um, Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin donations. Mm-hmm. That is on one hand. The other aspect is that you need to look at the issue of remittances hmm, into the country mm. from from overseas. So if you know, Nigeria is very dependent on remittances from overseas to boost consumer spending in Nigeria. Yes. And our remittances were, were very high. I mean, and one of the highest in the world and so on. But because of the, of the various FX restrictions put in place by the CBN, it has made it even more difficult for those remittances to come in and for people to receive full value for them. Now, understand, the, the CBN's rate, Forex rate, does not reflect reality. Mm. It reflects a made-up reality that has no connection to the issues on the ground. Okay? So, they put the, they put the rates at, I think, 380 or so. But the, the real rate, that is the parallel market rate, is in the order of 4, 450, 470, 4, I mean, depending on the time of day you wake up. Mm. So, that gap and the remittances have been coming down to official channels throughout 2020 was coming down. So, I think in January or so, remittances were about $2 billion in the month of January. But by September, those had crashed to about 50-something million dollars. Why? The CBN is of the view that they have people have begun to do those remittances through cryptocurrency. Again, another aging aspect of this is that the economic issues in the West due to COVID-19, people losing jobs and so on, not, I mean, not being able to work, would have also had its own impact on those remittances. Mm. So that is the second narrative that suggests uh, the way, uh, the reason for this action. So now you have the various startups who have been working on this, have now been, been running around trying to adjust, you know, to, to, these, to these things. And you have, a, you have a case where, once again, the Nigerian government has placed itself as an obstacle to progress rather than an enabler to progress. The only thing that the CBN seems to want to do these days is to put up funds for one agricultural I- intervention or the other. Not everybody wants to do agriculture. In fact, over time, there was one time in the West that a majority of the population was, in, w- was engaged in agriculture. Now it's just 2%. Agriculture... That is proper large-scale agriculture that feeds a nation. Hmm? It's not a game of multitudes. It's a game of efficiency. And efficiency means that fewer people, ideally, fewer people are supposed to be engaged in agriculture, not more people, as time goes on. Because it gets more efficient. You have more efficiency of scale. You can do things bigger, better, faster. You don't need everybody. But the only thing the CBN is interested in right now is one thing about agriculture or the other. And it's trying to strangulate basically every other space. But the problem is that in the end, in the end, they are going to fail because cryptocurrencies were built precisely for people like the Central Bank of Nigeria. The main selling point of cryptocurrency is decentralization. That is, no one person has the ability to stop the operation of of a platform or anything like that. Right? Mm -hmm. So what then happens is that in a case where you have these kind of people who want to basically strangulate the space. Eventually, it's just going to be like water. So when you pour water, uh, you, I mean, when you pour water at a stone, you know the water just goes round, just goes round, I mean, just goes round the stone. This would, this will end up being like that in the end. So in the final analysis, 
the CBN wants to control supply and demand of forex, but they cannot do both. And um, moving beyond the shores of Nigeria, Chad's government has barred the opposition from staging protests ahead of an expected announcement by President Idris Derby's party that the veteran leader will be its champion in the upcoming April elections. In a decree published last week Monday, uh, Public Security Minister Mohamed Tazi Orozi said the authorities cannot allow the holding of such protests, which have the potential to provoke public disorder across the country. The organizers told the AFP news agency that the demonstrations were peaceful marches for political change and equality and vowed to carry on with them as scheduled. Uh, Derby, a 68-year-old former army chief, has been in power since December of 1990. Mr. Joachim, again, we are seeing this play out. This is resistance to activities um, of opposition groups by a sitting government. Um, we it's, not, it's not just a sitting government, a sit-tight government. <laughs> a sit-tight. More, it is Debbie just wants to, you know, continue. I mean, I'm sure he thinks he's doing a great job. Hmm. I'm sure he thinks, you know, without him, Chad is going to go backward. I mean, I, I don't know how it came about that because he's been there 30 years and Chad is still as poor as when he was there, yeah. as they were in 1990. Hmm. Okay? So, again, I'm I'm not sure about the results regarding that. You, you know, this is this has happened just recently in Uganda and also it's sort of playing out in the Ethiopian Tigray crisis. In your opinion, should we be worried about these reoccurring incidents across African nations. Uh, democracy is receding, and um, that's a problem because when you have a 30-year record, for example, like the one, it, uh, like, like the one um, Idris Debi has, mm. and nothing to show for it, you need people to have the space to say, we want something else, we want somebody else. We want to go in a different direction, okay? Because after 30 years, you are really out of tricks. Mm. So if you cannot change anything in 30 years, then then I, I then i think i mean the people who the people who are, who want to vote should be able to have a civic space that is big enough for them to exercise you know uh, a different choice but as you've just read out that choice is about to be taken away from them yet again and then uh, you know i mean i mean Debbie would seem set for for another uh, another 5 years of failure really and you know, for a continent that has um, recorded immense struggle for in the, for its independence, and which seemed at the beginning to be some sort of shining light in the path towards democracy, but given the current situation of things in Africa, do you feel like the labels of our heroes past are in vain, and are we on the verge of more recurring? You know, that's that's a wonderful question. Now, let us talk a bit more about the labors of some of those heroes, right? Interestingly, the first, some of the first dictators in the African continent were, 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 were independence people. I know that, for example, in Uganda, Milton Obote, before Museveni replaced him, had also become a dictator himself. Obote was, sent, was a key part of the independence movement. And also, even Nigeria's own, I mean, Nigeria's own independence movement, you know how that turned out collapsed in civil war and the whole th- and that whole thing you see that throughout africa many of the people who who were who were the first presidents of their countries as independent countries eventually became city rulers and had to be removed in coups right because again according to the various coup plotters you know bad leadership 
corrupt, you know, all those excuses they always give, right? And then they then become, they, they then become uh, presidents of the countries and then do worse, hmm? right? So all of those uh, various labels, you know, we need to, uh, we need to really look at them cl closely because a lot of the foundations of what we have right now in Africa are still the foundations that were laid uh, by the by the people who were part of those independence movements, mm -hmm. and 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 um, and those are the shackles that Africa needs to really try to throw off in many places, in uh, in order to really really make progress. This is where we draw the curtain on today's show. I do hope you have found it insightful. Join us next week as we analyze the big stories here on the week ahead with Yetunde Adeyeri as your host. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Joachim, for being a part of the program. Thank you very much for having me. Please remember to play your part to ensure a better Nigeria. Do observe all COVID-19 safety protocols. Have a productive week ahead. This is still Radio Now, 95.3 FM Lagos. My name is Oprah Coco. Bye for now.